0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash bpshow. patreon.com slash bpshow.
2: Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at youtube.com slash thebillpressshow.
1: What do you know? Volvo says no more internal combustion engine cars. Whoa. I'm telling you, times are changing Hello, everybody. Good to see you today, Thursday, July 6th. It is the Bill Press Show. Uh, Some of you may be, uh, at least if you're a member of Congress, still on your long July 4 vacation. Uh, Most of us are back at it. Uh, Whether you are still coasting or back on the job, great to see you today. Thank you for joining us here. As we come to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., our studio on Capitol Hill, with all the news of the day, Uh, yeah, most of it centers around uh, the president. Yeah, I know. He happens to be named Donald Trump. Uh, We're still stuck with him. He is off on his second uh, overseas trip, this one uh, in Europe, today in Poland, giving a big speech there in Poland, and then moving on to Hamburg for the G20 summit uh, led by the leader of the free world, Angela Merkel. And uh, then, of course, the big uh, highlight of that meeting will be his one-on-one session with Russian President Vladimir Putin tomorrow. Let's just hope he doesn't give away the store. And meanwhile, um, more reaction to that voter fraud commission that Donald Trump has appointed and Republicans still trying to squeeze out 51 votes to repeal Obamacare and replace it with something, something even worse than the House bill. We'll get into all of that with you and look forward to hearing from you, getting your comments on Twitter. At BP Show, but first, this is the full court press.
3: Just a couple of other stories you making may, news. You may pick up on there. Well, I was going to mention that Volvo yeah. did announce that. <laughs> a huge. All of their car models, every single car that they make after 2019, <laughs> will be either electric or hybrid. They said that they will continue to produce combustion engine Volvos before that date, but that gas-powered engines are on their way out and that they want to be on the front line of the next generation of automobile engines. Right now, not—I mean, hybrid and electric vehicles are a small fraction of what people yeah, buy yeah, in yeah. cars. And so for Volvo to make that big step is a big, big deal. Of course, you have brought up in the past, one of the big issues is access to charging stations if you do have a purely electric vehicle. So hopefully we'll see more of those in the next couple of years.
1: But this is comparable to when uh, Henry Ford, right, said, put the horse and buggy away. Let the horse out to pasture because we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to have this new thing called an internal combustion engine. Now they're saying... Put your internal combustion engine in the car in the garage.
3: You know we've been through down this path before of electric cars, and it Never sort of this far fizzled out. Yeah. You know, when, yeah, when we tried it before. Uh, this is a gamble for I, Volvo.
4: I'll tell you one thing: I don't think anyone in Trump country will be buying Volvos anytime soon.
3: Yeah, look, I mean, I have to say this: I, 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 I think Prius owners are pretty terrible, and I say that as someone who's owned a Prius mm-hmm. for a long, long time because we could be insufferable people just constantly telling you how great it is to have a Prius but once you start like getting 60 miles per gallon out of your car yeah it, you'll sh- you know, whatever whatever BS image the hybrid vehicle crowd has you, you'll you'll get used to it by the popular.
1: way the other the other uh the other maybe end of that spectrum are uh, people who own the Tesla sure, I know yes. fr- several friends who have Teslas and they brag about the fact they haven't been in a gas station like in yeah. 3 years yeah yeah uh, and Tesla, the, the stock market value of Tesla is bit better than GM or a Chrysler, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. right.
3: Uh, one final story very quickly. Uh, it's going to be hot in California. How hot is it? Coachella Valley 120 degrees tomorrow. 120 degrees. Coachella, one twelve in Woodland Hills. You know
0: our friend uh, Congressman Raul Ru- I, Ruiz, yeah. so I hope he's out there.
3: Treating I was just going to say, stations, Raul
1: Ruiz, right? I was just thinking of him. That's his district. Be cool, man. Yeah, it's going to be well, a hot well, one. Crank up the air.
2: On your radio, on TV.
1: And online. This is The Bill Press Show. How about it? Here we go on a Thursday, July 6th. Hello, everybody. And welcome to the program, The Bill Press Show. Two days now after the 4th of July, and uh, Mr. Trump is in Europe landing in Poland uh, yesterday and uh, addressed from making a big speech there in Poland today, giving a news conference with the president of Poland where he said some uh, pretty outrageous things. Uh, Then he moves on to the G20, where the the summit, where the big issues are going to be trade and immigration and climate change, (laughs) Mm -hmm. not necessarily Donald Trump's long suits. And most European leaders are saying, we know what we're doing. We're going to go in our direction with or without the United States, it looks like, without the United States. And then Donald Trump sits down with Vladimir Putin. All of that to talk about, plus Donald Trump continuing his war on the media, even yesterday while he was in Poland. And um, Hobby Lobby. Dude. Whoa, getting in a lot of hot water with the Department of Justice. All of that to talk about as we come to you part of the Young Turks Network, proud to be part of the Young Turks we are the youngest Turks of all, and we will, um, and we're coming to you also, of course, on, as part of the Young Turks Network, on uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, on Free Speech TV. Yep, part of DirecTV, all over the country, coast to coast, and on uh, the Chicago area. Joining you on WCPT. Thanks so much for being part of the program this morning, and don't forget, we look forward to hearing from you on Twitter. At BP Show. So, uh, coming up, Van Newkirk, one of our favorite writers from the Atlantic magazine, uh, has been writing a lot about uh, healthcare and other issues. He'll be joining us in studio. Soshi Hino Hino Sosa, who's the uh, communications director at the Democratic National Committee under Chairman Tom Perez, will be here to uh, tell us what's going on with the DNC. Looking forward to 2018. And then the director of the Voting Rights Project at the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights, uh, Ezra Rosenberg, here to talk about the Voting Fraud Commission. The the fraudulent Voting Fraud Commission uh, appointed by uh, Donald Trump and headed by Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, Yeah, well... Volvo we talked about that An incredible story that Volvo would announce yesterday that in 2019 they're going to phase out I just want to mention that again the internal combustion engine um fit and make no longer make cars gas driven cars a headline in the New York Times this morning is uh, Volvo announces that gas is passed <laughs> uh, yeah one so, way to put it one way to put it and um but but think about that and by the way so all our cars are going to be electric or hybrid, no pure internal combustion engine. Obviously the hybrids a little of each. but that's 2019. I mean that's yeah. like tomorrow yeah,
3: pretty much it's a year and a half away. So I mean, 2019 models come out in a little over a year.
1: yeah, I was going to say the 2018 models will be rolling out yeah, end of the summer, yeah. right? And so the next the next batch, yeah will be. All, uh, all all, uh, uh, hybrid or, or electric. Uh, and um, the Volvo, of course, is following the lead of Tesla, which makes only electric cars, a limited number of them, and yet they surpassed Ford and General Motors in terms of their stock market value because people see that that is the future. One other interesting story before we get into the uh, whole, whole uh, Trump Trump trip Uh, and his uh, continued attacks on the media. And that is Hobby Lobby. I mean, look, first of all, (laughs) I hate Hobby Lobby uh, because these are the people who want to force their religion on everybody else. These are the people who went to the Supreme Court. They won, sadly, from the Roberts Court, where they said, oh, we don't believe in birth control, so therefore we should not have to allow our employees to have health insurance that would cover contraception. And the damn Supreme Court went along with it. Um, I I think a ruling that will eventually be overturned, but at any rate for the time being, that is the law of the land. So the Hobby hobby Lobby, carving this exception to the United States Constitution out because of their phony religious beliefs, as if the Bible says um, that uh, some anywhere, which it doesn't, that contraception or any form of birth control is wrong. At any rate, uh, that's, that's, that's not bad enough. We found out something else about uh, the Hobby Lobby. They are thieves. They are international thieves. I'm not saying that. The Department of Justice is saying that. It turns out that the Hobby Lobby owners, they got a big thing about um, artifacts from the Middle East particularly those uh, the, uh, the, uh, where, let's say the cradle of civilization where they believe the Garden of Eden was and, and civilization started, although it didn't start there. But that's their belief, and they've been trying to, they've been uh, trying to acquire artifacts. They even made a deal uh, with um, very shady organizations in Iraq uh, to purchase some artifacts, um, cuneiform tablets, Fifty five hundred of them, which they got through the black market, paid to the black market, brought them into the United States, uh, identified as tile samples. uh, And the Department of Justice caught them smuggling in ancient artifacts, lying about them and putting them out in their stores and saying this proves, you know, the the biblical times that the you know these are this kind of connects us with those biblical times in fact the owner of the of the uh, of the um, Hobby Lobby uh, says that their acquisition of these tablets quote was consistent with the company's mission and passion for the Bible in other words yes we go around the world stealing artifacts. Because the Bible tells us. I think you should should read the Bible a little more closely. Yeah.
3: I don't know much. I mean, I'm not really uh, a a religious person,
1: but uh,
3: I know some of the Ten Commandments. Having a degree in theology. Thou shalt not steal
1: (laughs) is one of them. Having a degree in theology, you know, I've been through old and new several times uh, in English, in Latin, (laughs) and in Greek. Yeah. Uh, Guess what? (laughs) It ain't in there. Right. What I find so fascinating about all these this- These phony hypocrites. So the- Phony Christians.
3: Their president is a guy named Steve Green. Yeah. And they point out, this goes all the way back to like 2009. Mm-hmm. He went over to inspect some of these artifacts for sale. He sales. actually went over he there. He personally yeah. went over there with right. a consultant right. in 2010 and started collecting these things. Now, I didn't realize this, but Hobby Lobby is behind a uh, museum that's going to be opening here in D.C. called the Museum of the Bible. And so people are saying maybe this is, like, they were trying to get all this stuff. But, like, what they don't point out is these were sold on the black market in Iraq. In
1: other words, this was ISIS. They're buying Stolen goods from ISIS. They're fueling terrorist organizations, funding yeah. terrorist yeah. organizations, all in the name of the Bible. Of all in the name of the Bible. So that makes it uh, that makes it okay. Yeah, two and-
3: religious extremists working <laughs> together. It's beautiful,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> and all this stuff was looted from sites and sold again under the table, black market stuff. And so the Iraqi government also came after them, and then finally our Department of Justice uh, nailed them. So they have to return all the artifacts to the government of Iraq. Uh, and they have to pay a $3 million fine to the uh, Department of Justice. So much for Hobby Lobby. Um, serves them right. Glad they got, glad they got caught. Yes, uh, indeed. On North Korea. Talked about it yesterday with Joe Siriancioni. Hasn't gotten any better. Uh, Nikki Haley. Our ambassador to the United Nations went in front of the U.N. Security Council yesterday uh, and said, uh, "It's bad news for the world, what what North Korea is doing.
4: I must say that today is a dark day. It is a dark day because yesterday's actions by North Korea made the world a more dangerous place.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, Over in uh, Warsaw yesterday, uh, the president said again that... um, there uh, are conse- will be consequences for North Korea because of their bad behavior.
4: There are consequences for their very,
1: very bad behavior. And he says, yeah, what do we got? We got to do something. Not they go- are
4: behaving in a very, very dangerous manner and something will have to be done about it.
1: Uh, yeah, but what will that something be? Back to the U.N., Nikki Haley saying, well, you know, a lot of options on the table.
4: The United States is prepared to use the full range of our capabilities to defend ourselves and our allies.
1: But the fact is, again, as we discussed yesterday and uh, others have pointed out since There are really no options other than the one that this administration has not pursued, and that is the diplomatic option. Uh, Donald Trump's bluster won't work. Donald Trump's tweets won't work. His praise of our dear leader, calling him a smart cookie, won't work. The silly military, joint military exercises that we uh, engage in once a year with South Korea to show how mighty we are and how prepared we are uh, won't work either in fact there is no military option uh, secretary mattis the new Secretary of Defense uh, has said that there are I mean North Korea has posed so many missile launching sites uh, with an easy range of Seoul uh, and South Korea uh, the capital of course of South Korea where most of the population is uh, that they would there be hundreds of thousands of people killed within minutes within hours, certainly, uh, were we to attempt any military action against North Korea. Uh, so to that extent, <laughs> Kim Jong-un and others, I mean, he is a smart cookie. Uh, he knows he's got us in a box, basically. Uh, and as we learned yesterday from Joe Cirincione, uh, the, only, the only option really is to resume talks, to get back to the table, either directly or indirectly, uh, using China, using Japan, uh, as our intermediaries, particularly China, as inter- inter- intermediaries, to, to, to nego- initiate talks with China, with Japan, with North Korea, with South Korea, and with the United States. To, um, and, and the exchange seems to me to be one that is a reasonable one, that North Korea would abandon its nuclear um, attempt to, to develop a nuclear capacity Uh, and stop the testing of these, uh, 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 trying to test a missile that could reach the United States with a nuclear weapon on top of it, uh, in exchange for the United States and South Korea to stop these annual military exercises. Seems to me that's something each side could agree on. Uh, North Korea would be giving up more than we would be giving up in that case. Not that we would surrender a military option. Uh, We would just stop flashing it in their face, if you will, once a year, Um, But until those talks resume, uh, the situation is just going to get worse and worse. Uh, And again, as we learned yesterday, we did uh, reach an agreement under the Clinton years in 1994. Uh, That lasted off and on until 2006 when Dick Cheney just said, "Uh, no, we're not going to talk to these guys anymore because we don't talk to evil. Uh, And it's been a spiral downhill uh, ever since.
3: By the way, we put uh, a large chunk of our conversation with Joe Sioni on our YouTube page yesterday. Yeah, it was uh, really, good. Com really good. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Uh, Trump versus North Korea is the is the video. Go check that out. Uh, it's it's a, a large piece of what we talked to Joe Cerencioni about. It's great.
1: Uh, so that is one of the, uh, one of the uh, items under discussion. By the way, I, I must say just as a side note, uh, I love the fact that the first thing the— the uh, Trump administration does on this, right, Those who they, the, the, the people who have bad-mouthed the U.N. forever and said we ought to pull out of the U.N. One time he was thinking of making John Bolton secretary of state. Uh, Bolton who famously said we should take the top floors of the U.N. and just chop them off, right? Uh, now, the first thing they do is run to the U.N. Uh, and ask the Security Council to um, to take action uh, against uh, North Korea. Don't get me wrong. They should be talking to the U.N., but uh, it is interesting to see them reverse course uh, when, it really, when it really counts. Um, the big, the big um, uh, question about um, coming up in Poland yesterday really was finally uh, Donald Trump was asked about Russian hacking. Did it really happen? Does he believe it happened? Uh, and he says, well, maybe Russia did. It was
4: Russia, and I think it was probably others also, and that's been going on for a long period of time. But my big question is, why did Obama do nothing about it?
1: Of course he wants to blame Obama. And by the way, he also said, uh, there, there he seems more definitive, if you hear the whole, the whole interview. He kept saying, it was probably Russia, it may have been Russia, but it was also probably others. There's no evidence at all that anybody else was involved. He also said, they said 17 intelligence agencies uh, claimed this. And then Trump said, so I asked, I, I can't believe we do have 17 intelligence agencies. And he said, and I checked, and we only have three or four. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't even know the government that he's supposedly the head of. But again, he turns the whole thing around to blame it on President Obama, who didn't do anything because, in fact, he just wanted to help Hillary.
4: Well, I don't think he choked. I think what happened is he thought Hillary Clinton was going to win the election, and he said, let's not do anything about it. Had he thought the other way, he would have done something about it.
1: Now, again, how dumb does he think we are? I the fact is that president obama publicly he did not condemn russia that much is true but remember and and obama finally admitted this at a news conference he when he had a meeting with putin in which he told putin this was unacceptable and told him you got to stop it we know what you're doing stop it he actually raised the issue with putin told him that we, we had a problem with it, a big problem with it, and told him to stop it. Maybe he should have done more, but the idea that he did nothing um, to protect our democratic system is simply false. Uh, we might call it, actually, to borrow a phrase, fake news um, on, the part of, on the part of Donald Trump. Um, so now the question is, Donald Trump is going to be meeting with Putin on Friday. What are the chances that Donald Trump is going to raise this issue of the hacking of our election system with Vladimir Putin? I don't know whether their entire meeting is going to be transcribed. Uh, it's certainly not going to be a public meeting, but I'd be willing to bet Donald Trump doesn't even raise the subject.
3: Uh, I think you're probably right. This is not That's not in his style for all the bluster and alpha uh, well, he- persona that he puts on. I always think of the time that he went to Mexico when he was in the middle of saying Mexico is going to build the
1: wall. And they didn't even They're talk gonna about They're going to pay it. for the wall. Yeah. And,
3: and he went down to Mexico, and he met with the their campaign. president during the campaign, and it didn't even come up. Yeah.
1: He said it didn't even come up. He's right? a pussycat. Right. Or after campaigning for a year and calling China our mortal enemy, right? And we were going to teach the Chinese blah, 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 blah. And he gets President Xi down in Mar-a-Lago, and they just have their big chocolate cake. And... They're the best of friends, yeah. right? And and all the talk about currency manipulation by China, and we're going to get even with them, we're going to make them pay. No, just dropped it, dropped it like hot potato. Uh, his style with these foreign leaders is just he wants to get along with them. He wants to be their friend. He wants to hug them. He wants to get a picture taken with them. And I'll bet you that's what he does with Vladimir Putin. Will not raise that subject. Uh, what about the subject of Crimea? Um would uh, Do you think Donald Trump is going to say, you know, you still own a piece or holding on to a piece of Ukraine which is not yours. You seize that uh, illegally and you have to give Crimea back to the Ukraine. Of course, President Obama was able to get that done either. Uh, I doubt that Donald Trump will even raise it. What people are worried about is that Putin, who is the master manipulator, I read yesterday where Putin... Putin brought his lab to a meeting with Angela Merkel Merkel, because he knows that she's afraid of dogs. Yeah. That's the kind of KGB guy that Putin is.
3: Axios has a great rundown this morning uh, that Jamie sent to me earlier uh, about all the different tactics that Putin has Has used. used. Yeah. So in 2013, he showed up three hours late to a meeting with John Kerry. He showed up 40 minutes late to a meeting with Obama the year before that. He brought his Labrador, a giant Labrador, Mm -hmm. to a meeting with Angela Merkel, uh, who has a bad fear of dogs, apparently. In 2007, Putin waited for then-French President Nicolas Sarkozy to list a number of concerns about human rights. And when he was finished, berated and belittled Sarkozy, leaving him visibly shaken at a press conference afterwards. This is directly from Axios. Yeah, and then yeah. in a meeting with Joe Biden yeah. in 2011, after <laughs> Biden referred to a conversation with the Georgian prime minister, Putin said, quote, we know exactly what you said to him. Biden laughed. Putin did not laugh. <laughs> so he knew.
1: Yeah. He's a ruthless guy. Oh, no. Absolutely. And I think he's been what through four presidents now or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, so he. I think that's right. Yeah. So you've got a master manipulator versus a total novice uh, sitting down at this meeting, Uh, and and again, what uh, uh, a lot of uh, foreign policy experts fear, and um, particularly uh, among America's uh, best foreign policy minds. Is that uh, Putin will con Donald Trump into making a deal along the lines of, okay, uh, if you just get off this Ukraine thing and let us keep our forces in Ukraine, then we'll help you in Syria. Yeah. You want our help in Syria? Okay, get off our backs for Ukraine, you know, because we, Eastern Ukraine is ours and we want it. So, uh, and, you know, you could see Trump might say, hey! Sounds like a good deal to me. Why do I care about Ukraine, right? Uh, it's, it's very, very dangerous what could come out of that meeting uh, with Vladimir Putin. The best, the best, we can't expect anything positive out of it. The best thing that could happen would be for nothing to happen. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't say much.
3: Right. It, that doesn't say much uh, at all. But that you're probably right. That's best case scenario.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, for, for just, in other words, for just uh, Donald Trump to to survive. Yeah. Basically. Uh Meanwhile, Donald Trump did um, uh, take a time out yesterday. Of course, uh, used part of his time with that news conference uh, to continue his uh, comments on the media. And what about that uh, video with uh, smacking down the guy? It was, uh, as we know, actually Vince McMahon with a World uh, WWE video. Uh, somebody put the CNN logo on it. Somebody put that up on Reddit. Donald Trump saw it and flashed it out, retweeted it himself. Well, uh, and CNN, of course, condemned it. Donald Trump says, "Oh, lighten up, CNN." CNN has
4: really uh, taken it too seriously, and I think they've hurt themselves very badly, mm-hmm. very, very badly.
1: Yeah, yeah. You now it just shows punching out a C- allegedly, uh, uh, ostensibly punching out a CNN reporter. Uh, yeah, they take that too seriously, yeah.
5: Very, they didn't get the joke.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, and it's not just CNN, however. Uh, other networks are just as bad.
4: But CNN and, and others, I mean, know others. NBC is equally as bad, uh, despite the fact that I made him a fortune with The Apprentice, but they forgot that.
1: <laughs> Don't you really love the way he turns that around? No, you got it backwards, uh, Donald Trump. Well, it's not that you made them a fortune, it's that they made you the president of the United States.
3: Yeah. That's it. Right? That's what's really going on. Yeah.
1: He's president today because of The Apprentice, and he's also president today because of all, how all the cable networks gave him a free ride all through the campaign, uh, starting with CNN, by the way. Uh, we talked about it so many times, that Donald Trump would hold a rally. Cable would pick it up, they would take it from end to end, and the other candidates they were lucky if they even got their name mentioned. Uh, by the way, I've got to say that uh, Jim Rutenberg of the uh, New York Times put together a great little collection of statements by the presidents, various presidents, on uh, the media. Okay. On the free press. Starting maybe with, uh, just here's, here's just three of them. George Washington, the freedom of speech may be taken away, and dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. Wow. John F. Kennedy, there is a terrific disadvantage not having the abrasive quality of the press applied to you daily to an administration, even though we never like it, and even though we wish they didn't write it, and even though we disapprove. Terrible disadvantage were they they not reporters not there. And how about George W. Bush? Quote, Power can be very addictive and it can be corrosive and it's important for the media to call to account people who abuse their power, whether it be here or anywhere else. And then Donald Trump who doesn't even belong in their company, shouldn't even be on the same stage with them, who says, if the media is not writing positive stories, gushing about all of my accomplishments, they are the enemy of the American people. But you know what? And I said this yesterday on CNN, too. Uh, As offensive as I find that, as sad as I find that, as disgusting as I find that, I think we pay too much attention to it, you know? Donald Trump has always attacked the media, is always going to attack the media. And I think what's most important is we just ignore him and do our job. Yeah. Just do our job, you know. Uh, For reporters, just dig out the facts and report them. Tell the American people uh, what the truth is. And for people like me uh, who are commentators, not a reporter, uh, give my opinion. Uh, It's important for us to have our facts straight and then... Just call it the way we see it. Tell it like it is. And if Donald Trump doesn't like it, too damn bad. Right? In fact, I would say, if he does like it, we're not doing our job. Politicians yeah. always bitch about it. Always complain about about suit. The only thing is, Donald Trump just takes it um, further than most, uh, uh, even encouraging violence. But I think it's important that we don't let him shake us. We just continue to do our job. If only Donald Trump would do his. Ben Newkirk from The Atlantic joining us next here. Stay tuned. The Bill Press Show, Thursday, July 6th. We are sitting on massive energy, and we are now exporters of energy.
4: So whenever you need energy, just give us a call.
2: Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com
1: slash The Bill Press Show. Here we go on a Thursday, July 6th. How about it? Great to see you today. It is The uh, Bill Press Show. We're coming to you live coast to coast, bringing you up to date on the news of the day, the latest developments on every front, including the healthcare care front. Um, believe it or not, Ted Cruz had a... Second town hall in a row uh, yesterday uh, on um, the Republicans' attempts in the Senate to repeal Obamacare and replace it with something even worse than what the House came up with. Uh, And Ted Cruz, in normal fashion, uh, just blames it on the Democrats. In the Senate, we've got a very narrow Republican majority. We've got 52 Republicans. <clears throat> the
2: Democrats have made clear they're not willing to work with us on any productive steps on, on health care. So we've got 48 hard no's.
1: Isn't that funny? We've had uh, heard from so many Democratic senators who say if Republicans would just uh, uh, stop talking repeal and maybe talk repair uh, and fix the problems with Obamacare, we're willing to sit down and work with them uh, at any time. They've been saying that for a long time. And Mitch McConnell has said, we don't want your damn help. We've got 52 Republicans. We're going to pass it without you. Ben Our Newkirk has, has been following all of this for the Atlantic staff writer and joins us in studio. Vance, good to see you again. Thank good you. Good to see you. Uh, so they've got 52, and
6: they need 51, and they can't even get up to 51 yet, right? Yeah, that's a funny thing. He's talking about the 48 Democrats, but they don't have 52 Republicans right, at the table right, right now. Right, right. Yeah, we don't know how close to that 51 number they actually are. Yeah, so so we don't know. Ted Cruz is going to be talking to his own party, saying, why don't you get behind my new amendment and whatever the old bill was first? Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, that, that even Donald Trump keeps saying it's a Democrat. the Democrat. They're the obstructions. That's why we can't get anything done. I mean, the Republican plan, Mitch McConnell's plan is... We don't need those stinking Democrats. We're just going to do it our own. But they haven't been able to lie to roll up the vote. So how did they get to 51?
6: Uh, let's see. So I think they're, uh, they're sort of test piloting this Cruz Amendment here, uh, which would allow states to offer even less value plans than the Senate version of the bill, the original version of the bill, which actually allowed insurers to offer even worse plans than the house bill yeah, in the marketplaces. Right, right. <laughs> and they're, they're seeing that they can get that score by the CBO sometime during the recess. Uh, but the problem is CBO doesn't, you know, they don't take just anything as insurance. If you have catastrophic insurance or something, you know, where you only, they pay 20, 30% of your health costs, CBO doesn't count, doesn't count that as insurance. Yeah. So you may have a situation where Cruz's plan allows people to get tax credits for something that CBO doesn't count as insurance, so your coverage number doesn't do any better, but the budget numbers do worse, right. which is like the worst case scenario. This, this
1: whole phony argument that we're going to we're going to uh, come up with these plans that anybody can afford without a subsidy—you'll be, be able to buy it. It's going to be really, really cheap. But there won't be anything in it, right? Yeah, I it mean, won't, it won't cover
6: the basic essentials. It's actually really not. Rock solid Republican orthodoxy here. You give people a couple thousand dollar tax credit and say, "Yeah, go buy nothing with it." (laughs) Right, (laughs) and you know this is the fiscal responsibility. You know uh, they're they're trying to do better for the deficit. Like allegedly, uh, this is exactly the other other way. And
1: all of those which which, the one thing, one good thing um, that Obamacare did. Is it identified all these things that are really important to have, right, like mammograms and, and prenatal care and all that as basic essential services and said every plan has to include contraception, right, except for Hobby Lobby, include <laughs> uh, all, this, all this stuff. And the House plan, and the I think the Center plan even goes further, allows the states to say, no, you don't need to include that stuff, right? It's yeah. just uh, icing
6: on the cake. So what they knew was what would happen in an unregulated marketplace is you'd have lots of insurers come in and use sort of the social impetus to get insurance, say, look, you know, we got some, we got health care for you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you, you know, it doesn't cover maternity care. It doesn't cover hospital stays. <laughs> doesn't cover mental health. If you get sick, you probably are going to die on this insurance, but you'll have insurance. Uh, and we get those same kind of plans that have you know no useful actuarial value uh they don't cover the most expensive conditions and people don't often are not often familiar with the terms of their insurance which is one of the why the essential health benefits are so important because lots of people before before even and even now who don't yeah. have yeah. ACA compliant plans get stuff <coughs> find out they aren't aren't covered for something that happens end up being on the hook still for hundreds of thousands of dollars of of care and go bankrupt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They assume that they are covered.
6: Well, you assume your insurance coverage covers hospital stays. You know? (laughs) That's the thing I think is reasonable to to think. Or you assume your insurance is going to cover maternity care. Uh, And the fact that plans may not in the future, it's just, you know, mind-boggling. Right. Um, When does all of this come to a head? (sighs) So I think... uh, We'll see if they, if and when they get a CBO score, uh, how the, I think the interest groups look at it. Uh, and when they come back in session, uh, that response, the town hall response uh, to the new amendments, will I think dictate how long the debate is going to be.
1: Now, you mentioned new amendments. How can they make amendments if the bill, if no committee hearings to the bill? They do it on the floor? Is that. You know, or it's, it's they roll
6: out a new plan. So CBO I'm not quite already, sure exactly how this one is amended. The CBO yeah.
1: already scored the plan that that Mitch McConnell put out uh, mm-hmm. Thursday a week ago, or well, two, yeah, a week ago today, right? Yep. Yeah, uh, which was um, 22 million people losing. 22 sorry, million. 22, which is eight. Insurance. Dramatic
3: improvement from the 23 million that the oh, house yeah. bought. Yeah, you know, yeah. at least it's not that. <laughs> yeah. If I'm being optimistic,
6: yeah. So, so the cruise amendment, um, which was sort of a I already 11th hate hour it. thing, I already hate it. If it's called yeah. the cruise amendment, I hate it. They it could they, be the Tom Cruise <laughs> amendment. I hate
2: hard it. nose, <laughs> I that's it. That's
6: it. You know, we're not sure if it would even fly under the Reconciliation rules, you know the Byrd rule. So it's it's all pretty nebulous, right? Yeah.
1: Um, is there? Do you think any possibility that at some point they may realize, you know, we're we may not like to do it, but we're just going to have to sit down and work with the Democrats to repair Obamacare, and it's got some problems, uh, uh, clearly, right? Uh, And come up with a plan that, uh, a bipartisan plan? Absolutely not. No Uh, no chance. No chance.
6: I I think. All right, so much for that. Yeah. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) I I think the most likely path forward is I think the White House, uh, Republicans in in the Congress, they've signaled that they're okay and actually want to sort of harpoon the marketplaces under Obamacare. Uh Uh, There is no. There's plenty of regulatory actions people can take to fix the marketplaces, which were done all the time under Obama. The current administration is not taking those. I think they're fine letting it run into the ground, using that pressure to, at base, uh, and I think they will do this, sort of implement just the Medicaid reforms, even if they don't do much to the tax credits under Obamacare. There's still broad political will to roll back Medicaid, and I think that will happen. Uh, But I don't think they'll do it with Democrats.
1: Uh, Van Newkirk is with us from The Atlantic, theatlantic.com. Now, in the middle of all of this, you had your own little health crisis Um, uh, while you're reporting (laughs) on on a health crisis and have have written about it. Um, So you suffer from asthma? Yep. Have for?
6: Most of my life. All I can remember. Yeah.
1: yeah.
6: And so what was your reporting about? What's so I was going to Denver uh, to report on both sort of the natural uh, cures, like hiking and altitude and clean air uh, on for asthma. And also, is that, is that
1: considered to be
6: a... Yeah, apparently uh, being at altitude, uh, being at just about the altitude where Denver is, for 12 weeks or so is just as effective as taking an inhaler. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, but Denver is pretty polluted, so that's kind of mitigated by all that. But I also went there to talk to... The people at National Jewish Health, who are doing some really cutting-edge research on asthma, and after I met with them, after I went on a nice little hike, did some jogging, I ate some guacamole that had crab in it, and uh, had an asthma attack. So it was it was a fun, uh, oh, fun to, fun sure. piece to add to the story. Uh, um, so I was dealing with asthma while trying to write a story about how to deal with asthma. That's heavy. Yeah, that is heavy. Well, yeah. So.
1: The crab aside, I mean that was a dietary problem, I guess, right? Right. You're allergic to. Allergic to shellfish. shellfish. Okay, mm-hmm. but did you find it works in terms of?
6: Well, or, I didn't or, have. Or were
1: you there long enough to?
6: I didn't have quite the time to really uh, get a sense of it. Um, I just sort of did it to see if it was going to trigger my asthma uh, more than anything. And you know, it felt good. Uh, and I think people there who go to the Rockies and, and hike. Who have asthma? There's a couple camps out there to do it. They swear by it. They think it's it's perfect. Uh, and I can, you know, I was running but, around in scenic places with clean clean air. Yeah. But
1: is this is this um, short term or long term? I mean, so when <laughs> people in the rest of the country from asthma, they all can't go to they all can't move to Denver, right, or move to Boulder, wherever. Right. It's it's not so, meant to be so a if they therapy go there, for everyone. If they yeah. go there and it helps. What about when they come home?
6: I think the it, it, it is short term. What we know is if you go back, say, if you go to New York from New York to Denver, you stay there 12 weeks, you, you end up coping a little better with your asthma. But if you go back to New York, after a couple <laughs> weeks, you're back to where you were. But I think what it what's shows. The, what's the point? What it shows is that air matters. And it's the thing we don't think about mm. when it comes to asthma. We don't think about it as much as we should. Yeah. The air quality actually is what m- lots of research, researchers think causes asthma. And it exacerbates asthma. And so we don't think about in all these pie in the sky, nice drugs, you know, healthcare, health coverage, we don't think about the fact that it's just, you know, polluters having clean air, uh, making sure kids grow up in, in the cleanest environments possible, getting rid of smog emissions, those things beyond the big debate about climate change. We yeah, know they have an right. impact at the local level on asthma. No,
5: that's yeah.
1: interesting. But a lot of people haven't made that connection between what you're saying, air quality and public health. Right. Um, or or I've, I mean, I've heard that argument made, but not enough. Right. Yeah. I mean, usually it's just we want to clean up the air so we can see, um, you know, the top of the mountains or whatever. No, you're saying we want to clean up the air so we can breathe, and and survive.
6: Yeah, it's interesting. People, you know, say climate change is a Chinese hoax, right? Well, <laughs> but they don't, well, well I know not one, people, person. one person. I know one person who says or, that. Yeah. People like to deny it or downplay it or say, we don't know that this is going to happen. But we do know pretty well that, that aside from the long 20, 30, 40, 50 year effects of climate change, we know that, say, coal ash and smog, they kill people on the ground today. Yeah, They make yeah. people have asthma attacks today. A- and we need to think about the environment from that perspective, too.
1: Well, you're talking about uh, 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 the advantage of being a uh, the mile-high city. There's also a disadvantage. I'll never forget when uh, Peter and I went out to uh, to cover the uh, convention in 2008, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were in a cab from the airport to downtown, and the cab driver said, where are you guys from? And we said, Washington, D.C., and he said, well, I just want to warn you, this is the mile-high city, and what that means is Every drink you take, it's the equivalent of two drinks. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so Peter and I said, "Bring it on." <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
3: Eddie, remember that?
1: I he, do remember that. He warned us. Yeah. So I
6: don't yeah. know whether you had that. It's warning a great as way well. to save on beer money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you it only is. have
3: to have three, and you feel like you had a six pack.
6: I didn't spend a lot on whiskey up there, so that was great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a little mm-hmm.
3: bit will go a long way.
1: Um, he also told us, uh, "Don't touch the uh, crab guacamole." <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
6: I get too- Especially if you have a food allergy. Yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Uh, You have, uh, and we're going to be talking a little bit later about this with Ezra Rosenberg from the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights, Uh, but you've been writing, and we talked, I think, the last time you were in, about voting rights. Um, Have you caught up with the uh, Donald Trump Voter Fraud Memorial Commission led by Mike Pence and Chris Kovac?
6: Good grief. This thing, uh, it, it's almost unprecedented. And I write about it, and I think people aren't quite realizing how unprecedented it is. It's a uh, federal. We mo- most efforts for voter suppression come at a state and local level, because that's where we regulate most election law. But this, and it seems based on what Chris Kovacs did in Kansas, or is doing, you know, he's the only secretary of state in the country with the power to actually... Litigate uh, voter fraud cases on his in his office, mm. and he does that. He's done it for hundreds of, of cases, and they basically chase after these uh, people who they they flag as immigrants based on their name. It's like a name match. How many people have the same name Yeah. <laughs> in so a county? If your
1: name is Rodriguez. You committed voter fraud.
6: That seems to be how they do it. And yeah. they they leave the you know the burden of proof on the person to say I did not actually uh, commit voter fraud. Or people who have double registrations, which Lots of people have, but no you know, almost nobody who has double registrations votes in two places because who's gonna go from, you know, North Carolina to Georgia and vote in the same day? It doesn't happen. Uh, but he identifies people who moved from different places, immigrants. And and they basically flag all these people, mm-hmm. make it an inconvenience for them to register to vote again. And I think they've gotten exactly one one person who committed voter fraud who was a non citizen. Mm-hmm. And uh that's Seems to be what they're trying to do on a national level. Yeah.
1: And so the way they go... So the whole object here, right, isn't it, is to prove Donald Trump's contention that three to five million people voted illegally for Hillary Clinton.
6: Well, if you take them at that face value, yes. Yeah, right. Uh, But I don't think we should... I think we should be skeptical of of even that claim, uh, of the the use of of voter fraud there. Uh, I think... You know, there's a good profile uh, on him from uh, Ari Berman in the New York Times, uh, which, you know, lays out he has a history, and I think people, he has history, white papers, all these different things, basically claiming, uh, expressing some doubt about the white majority's ability to win elections in the future. And this is not a, you know, this is a real thing for people, and people think about this a lot. And that goes along with sort of Playing up fears about voter fraud, especially Did, voter fraud from immigrants.
1: Yeah, this is Kovac you're talking about, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, but so the the commission um, sent out uh, under Kovac's signature because Pence is the chairman, Kovac is the vice chair, I guess. Whatever. Uh, this request to states saying we want all this information on everybody who everybody is registered to vote in your state. I mean, the, the the demand is stunning. Name, address, date of birth, political party you belong to, uh, if you ever lived in another state, if you ever lived in another foreign country, and I think there's other stuff too. And the last four digits of your social security
6: number. Social security last uh, your vote your voting history. Voting yeah. history. Yeah.
1: Right. How many elections you voted in for the last, what, uh, dozen years or so? Right. Yeah. And then uh, I'm, I'm surprised they do not say, and uh, your credit card. <laughs> yeah,
6: right. Yeah. You know, people, this is a real thing, and this is a real thing happening in Georgia where people have had their identity stolen from voter data. And so you want to send a, make a national database of all that voter data. When we know, you know, we have Russian hacking the elections. Right. We have people in Georgia losing their, six million people in Georgia losing their identities. Uh, and no, yeah, no, yeah,
1: on that point, uh, Alex Padilla, <laughs> a friend of mine who's the secretary of state of California, uh, said yesterday, yeah, you get all this information and then you put it up on an unsecured site. Right. Talk about helping the Russians with what they want to accomplish. Here's Alex Padilla yesterday. So you want to do Vladimir Putin a favor, get all
6: this data from voters across the country, upload it onto the internet in one unsecure location. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah. You want to do Putin a favor?
3: (laughs) You know, the other thing about this is, if you are a Republican, if you call yourself a Republican, you can't be for this. You should abhor this idea. This should be the most repellent thing you've ever heard. There I mean, the the amount of time that the rumor or the fear that was drummed up about Barack Obama is going to create a gun registry because we just want to know who's buying guns in this country and killing, you know, people every single day. Uh, this is so much worse than just like keeping track of who's buying guns and going through a background check. Like, they want very personal information. And you know that they're going to screw it up. You know that they would keep it on a server that's going to get hacked or, or compromised in some way. You should hate this if you have an R behind your name. Right. Hate it.
1: Yeah. That's massive, massive uh, invasion of privacy.
6: Massive. Yeah. A- and there's no way, like you
1: said, it would be secure. So um, it was reported yesterday that uh, for, so, so far 44 states.
6: 46 now.
1: Oh, is that right? 46. Yeah. 46. <laughs> Have refused to comply in 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 full or in part. Virginia, uh, uh, Maryland, the state of Maryland, she, but, uh, and also Kentucky. Here's Allison Grimes. Or she ran against uh, Mitch McConnell. Uh, she's now secretary, pardon me, secretary of state uh, in Kentucky. It says no way. We're not going to play.
5: We have over 89 bills just this year alone in 30 states that are seeking to restrict voting rights, access to the ballot box. Uh, This commission is doing nothing more uh, than perpetuating uh, and trying to find evidence for a false claim, a lie, an outright lie that the the president continues to reiterate and Kentucky simply won't be part of it.
1: Uh Uh-uh, we're not gonna be part of it. Uh, She, now before this, we mentioned yesterday, we thought that the Secretary of State of Mississippi I just want to emphasize we're talking southern red states here, right? The right? um, so Secretary of said of Mississippi says, you know, my response to them is they can go jump in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, Allison Grimes may have uh, topped that yesterday <laughs> with her response to uh, what she believes this is all about.
5: It's uh, about as welcoming as a breeze off an outhouse. Uh, the folks across the state, not just Democrats, but Republicans, are realizing that turning over sensitive good. personal information uh, to the federal government, to the president right. who has requested this, uh, one, isn't in the state's interest, and two, isn't in an individual's interest.
1: Breeze off an outhouse. That's pretty love good. Uh, yeah. yeah By the
3: way, did you guys see that email that Mike Pence sent around yesterday? Uh, with Because he's in charge of this whole yeah. thing, and mm-hmm. he has a statement from Chris Kobach. That says at present, twenty states have agreed to provide the publicly available information requested by the Commission, and another sixteen states are reviewing which information can be released under their state their state laws. In all, thirty six states have agreed to participating with the commission's work. Which is a lie. Which is a lie. I mean, we read yesterday I mean there are yeah, Cal- All the
1: states have put out statements that said, we're not going to do this. You can go online, which I did yesterday, and go state by state by state of what they've said.
6: Yeah, I think there's a difference, and this is a, you know, I think purposeful difference. There's a diff- difference between the publicly available data, which a state generally has to provide to some to an entity that requests it, and, say, people's Social Security numbers. Yeah. And that's yeah. where the difference yeah. is. is. Is Every state's going to say, okay, yeah, you can have our, like, I have publicly available data from states, <laughs> from <laughs> election data from states. Uh, and that stuff is going to be used for this this campaign, but people aren't going to, I think states aren't going to comply with the more personal identifiers.
1: So how many how many investigations have been held into voter fraud and come up empty,
6: right? I mean, there are hundreds of them. Most of them, 99% yeah. of them, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Or with very, very few examples.
6: Yeah. And, and so that means, and I think the number now is for every one legitimate case of voter fraud, about 200 people are disenfranchised which is fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And you mm-hmm. know where those people are being disenfranchised. You know who those people are. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, m- uh, people of color uh, and people with uh, Latino names uh, and African-Americans. And there you go. Right, yep. That's what it's all about. Hey, Van. So good to see you again. Thanks for your good work. And I'm glad that you recovered from your problem out there in Denver. Maybe better stay closer to home, huh? Stop being yeah, crap. Yeah, that'll help too. When we come back, Soshi Inohosa from the DNC Communications Director joining us next on the Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Volvo says, no more internal combustion cars after 2019. That's just two years away. Get your electric car, folks, while you can. Hello, hello, hello. It is The Bill Press Show on a Thursday, Thursday, July 6th. So good to see you today. Thank you for joining us and being part of the program as we come out to you live coast to coast uh, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, and of course on Free Speech TV as well. Good to have you with us with a lot to talk about. The president is in uh, Poland, just finished a speech uh, to a big crowd in Warsaw, Poland, and he goes on from there to the G20 summit in Hamburg uh, with the leader of the free world, Angela Merkel, uh, and with uh, the other heads of European nations, and including a meeting tomorrow, one-on-one meeting with Vladimir Putin. Everybody wondering what Donald Trump will give away this time or what state secrets he might tell to the Russians at this particular meeting. We've got it covered. Wherever the news is happening, uh we'll bring we'll tell you what's going on, and we count on you to tell us what you think about it. So give us a holler on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. But on Twitter, your comments on Twitter at BP Show. At BP Show. We'll get right into it today about where the Democratic Party is going uh, with the communications director of the Democratic National Committee, Soshi Inahosa, from uh, um, the DNC. Nice to see you, Sochi.
0: Great. Thank you for having How me. How is
1: Mr., uh, our chairman, Chairman Perez? He was here about a week ago. Yeah, not that long yeah. ago. Bring us up to date. He is
0: doing well. He is traveling the country um, oh, he's this on the summer. Road. He is on the road. Um, him and Keith Ellison are on the road often. We launched a program called Resistance Summer earlier this month. Mm-hmm. For the first time, the DNC is actually organizing in states. And you know what we heard a lot coming in was that on January you know, January 20th was an important day because it was the inauguration. But January 21st was important because that's when you saw people marching oh, in totally. the streets. yeah. But the, the problem was that the Democratic Party wasn't taking the information from these people, getting them to volunteer, getting them active in the Democratic Party. So we decided this summer that we would launch resistance summer and part of it is not only you know fighting trump and what he is doing but it's also talking about what democrats stand for and so we organized around the country organized in 50 states and it's been really great about
1: that hold on to that we want to hear more about it and we will but first this this is is the full court press
3: just a couple of other stories making news a little update from overnight congressman steve scalise has been readmitted to the intensive care unit because of new concerns for infection. Now, he was released from the intensive care unit about two weeks ago after the f- June 14th shooting at the GOP baseball team's practice for the charity game. Uh, his condition is now listed as serious. So some new concerns for him as he recovers for infection. He's been moved back to the intensive yeah, care this Yeah,
1: this is sad news because he was moving in the right direction and now a little setback here. Yeah, hopefully so, just a small wish, setback. Wish him well. Uh,
3: this is fascinating to me. The History Channel has a new documentary coming out, a two-hour documentary called Amelia Earhart the Lost Evidence. And they have found a lost photo, which they say not only shows Amelia Earhart having survived her plane crash, but also her traveling companion, her navigator, uh, a, a man that they assume died along with her. But uh, this photo says that she was captured by the Japanese after her plane crash. She survived it. And this photo pretty clearly shows Amelia Earhart and her navigator still alive after the the plane crash.
1: I studied that photograph yesterday. I'm not convinced. No?
3: Neither am I. But you I know, love this story. I'll
1: say this. I'll say this. I love this story. First of all, I, I thought she was alone. I didn't realize she had a navigator with her all this, all these years. But... You know, there's there do people standing at the end of a pier. Yeah, and you have to have faith that.
3: I'll say this about the photo: the hairline of the navigator. If you look at the hairline of the navigator, that's the giveaway to me. It's not conclusive, but I'm convinced. I'm convinced.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: There's uh, Jimmy Hoffa there. Okay.
2: On your radio, on TV,
1: and online, this is the Bill Press Show. All right. It is a summer of resistance for the Democratic Party. Uh, How do they rebuild? Where do we go from here? Hello, everybody. What do you say on a Thursday, July 6th? Good to see you today. Thanks for being part of the Bill Press Show as we come to you live coast to coast, part of the Young Turks Network, of course. Uh, Joining you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Also on Free Speech TV and out in the Chicago area on WCPT. Thanks for joining us. Your comments about uh, Donald Trump in uh, Poland, Donald Trump uh, meeting with the G20, Donald Trump's big meeting with uh, Vladimir Putin, or where the Democratic Party ought to be heading and what they should be up to. Now's your chance. Because with us, we have the communications director of the DNC, Soshi Hino- Uh And you can send us your comments on YouTube. At, I'm sorry, on Twitter, on Twitter, at BP Show. Peter will be monitoring those and bringing us up to date. Yes, sir. So, Soshi, uh, you mentioned uh, this is the resistance summer, summer resistance, what's the exact Resistance title? summer. Resistance summer. And when you say... That the DNC is organizing now, is that in all fifty states or just certain areas or and what are you doing?
0: So this is in all fifty states. I think that what we learned from this last election we bring
1: back the Howard Dean fifty state bring, strategy, we, right? It was
0: a successful strategy.
1: Absolutely. Um
0: but what we saw this last election is that we were only organizing in battleground states. And what we needed to do more of is talk to everybody. There were we were we weren't talking to rural voters, we weren't talking to some of our base in um, in many states, if you didn't live in a battleground state, you likely did not hear from us. Um, and we, that needs to change. And we understand that. And that's why um, this summer we we were basically doing events in all 50 states. On the first weekend in June, what we found was we did over 120 120- events in 50 states where people were knocking on doors they were making phone calls they weren't just marching the streets they took those actions and turned that into votes mm-hmm. and so we're trying to build off of the momentum we're seeing across the country so that we can finally elect democrats not just democrats uh, you know governor's races and congressional race, races which are very important but school board races Um, there are, there is a, um, in, in the Washington state Senate right now, we are one seat away from making that democratic, from making both chambers democratic. A lot of people don't know that, but what we need to do is we need to work in that state, even though that state is democratic, we can't forget it. And so we're doing a lot of work in these states to make sure that we're electing people from the school board to the Senate.
1: And as we know, in the last uh, eight years, some 950 or maybe a little over 1,000, state legislative races flipped or seats flipped from Democratic to Republican, which has huge consequences, policy consequences and reapportionment consequences.
0: Definitely. And not only that, we have redistricting coming up, right? And so I think that... One of the things that we'll be looking at, um, and that's why we just created a um, voter protection and empowerment unit, because a lot of what we're seeing is we will be getting involved in these redistricting fights, along with Eric Holder's efforts um, to look at some of these seats. And and, um, we are paying close attention to them because we understand in order to be successful in redistricting, we need to make sure that we are able to elect Democrats.
1: All right. So what is the DNC's explanation for the fact that there have been – Four special elections um, in 2017. These are congressional races, of course. And the Democratic Party's record so far is 0 and 4.
0: Well, Bill, I mean, as you, it was very troubling to me. And this was something that we wanted to see. We wanted to win all of these races. There is no doubt about that. Um, But at the same time, all of these were deep red seats. We were never expected to um, play in these races. You've never seen Democrats play in these races historically. But what we did is we did close the margin in some of these seats. And so there are 71 districts that are more competitive than the one of Georgia 6. And that gives us hope. That gives us hope for 2018 because those we only need about 24 districts in order to take back the House. And if we can be successful in some of these seats and actually organize and invest in them, not only invest in them for these races but, races, but to close the gap in future races, as we did in Georgia, as we did in Kansas and Montana and other races, then we can be successful in the future.
1: Right. And um, isn't the first, I guess, challenge to find, uh, to make sure there's a... The right candidate for the right seat in every one, every one of those cases.
0: I think that you know a lot of these candidates, and the DCCC does a lot of work in in, in, in candidate recruitment right. and whatnot, and they have seats to defend, and they're also looking for seats or um, for candidates to fill the seats where Republicans are holding them. And yeah, you know, are are we we they we expect that a candidate is there that reflects our values, the Democratic Party's values. That is making sure that we're fighting for good paying jobs for healthcare, you know, for quality education, all of these issues. And so that is what we strive for. And I know that that's something that the DCCC is working on.
1: By the way, this it may, it may be a tangent, but maybe not. <laughs> um, because Donald Trump, again, was asked yesterday about Russia hacking uh, into our election system. And it started with Russia hacking into the DNC. Um, what's the DNC done about it?
0: Well, I, the D- and
1: are you secure today? And do you know?
0: We were not. I was obviously not there when the heck yeah, happened. Right. But um, when Tom Perez, I walked in with Tom Perez just a few months ago. And one of the things that he was very adamant about was to make sure that um, we do a top to bottom review of everything. And that includes our technology and that includes our cybersecurity. And what we've done is we realized that we needed to hire someone that wasn't in the political space. So it's actually someone from Silicon Valley who understands these issues. And so we just brought on board one of the top um, people that started Twitter. He is someone who is um, fantastic. He understands this work. He understands what we need to do to rebuild. He understands what to do in order to make sure that the DN- not only the DNC is secure, but that all of our state parties are secure. Because- what can happen is that if our state parties aren't secure, then that ends up making the DNC more vulnerable. And so that is the work that he is coming in and doing. And you know we take security precautions at all times. Our staff has had training. This is something that we continue to look at and we continue to monitor. But that this is something that has been important, and we actually need to invest in it. And so this is what Tom Perez is committed to, and this is why we're bringing on someone on board. So to be he, our this chief, is somebody in,
1: in in house, right?
0: This is somebody in house that will work for the DNC. Correct. Or, this is right. somebody in house who understands this area, who has has more than a decade of experience in technology, and um, can not only will not only ensure that the DNC is secure. But we'll also look at our technology needs, because what happened is that we just we haven't invested in some of our technology needs. I'll tell you right now, one of the most frustrating things for me at the DNC is we have a studio downstairs in the basement. We have SD cameras. You can't use SD cameras anymore. No one uses SD cameras. So one of it's it's true. So we can't get on television in some of these states. That's a problem, right? So, (laughs)
1: yeah, we
0: can't communicate our message. So one of the things that he will be coming in and doing is doing an evaluation and finally updating a lot of this technology that hasn't been updated in a very long time.
1: Right. Right. So are you
3: confident today? That's smart, by the way. That's like, I mean, it's a small thing, but that's really, really smart.
0: And a lot of the House members, that's where they go. They use the studio in order to get back and talk to their districts um, and especially as they're campaigning. And so we need to change that. it's important that the
1: chairman have that capacity, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. To, be, to be there, uh, to be able to do hits on all the networks, right, from the DNC. You can't, obviously it's better to be in studio, but you can't always do that. Um, so you got to have
3: your message figured out. you got to have your message solid, and then you have to have a way to get it out. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Um, so are you confident today that um, Putin and his people are not, hacking into or looking at every email that comes out of the DNC.
0: Well, as I worked at the labor department and one of the things that I will always tell you is that no matter whether it's Russia or whoever it is, people at the labor when we were at the labor department, they were trying to hack into our system every day. So, I'm sh- I I am sure, you know, they are probably these things happen all of the time. They attempt to Um, But we have great professionals that that are in place that are monitoring this stuff that have worked with local law enforcement that um, throughout the hack, they worked with the FBI to make sure that everything was secure and to put systems in place um, for future hacks. And so um, we at the DNC are taking this very seriously and are doing everything that we can to prevent a future
1: hack. You mentioned uh, just in passing um, state parties. Uh, as you may know, I am former Democratic state chair of the state of California, so state parties uh, are very important to me. Um, and I know how important they are to the whole system. Um, what, 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 is, what is Tom's thinking or the DNC's policy now toward helping state parties?
0: Well, we actually have an announcement coming on this very soon, so Uh-oh. I'm excited that you said this, and I will keep you posted on this. Um, no, 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 but we want it right now, right, <laughs> right now, new news. But it is, it is, it is not ready yet. But I will, um, as soon as it is, we'll come back on this show, and we will be sure to right. to talk about it All with right. you. Um, but one of the one of one of the things that we will be announcing are investments investments in state parties, and um, one of the things that we noticed when we came in and we heard from a lot of people, and you know this as being. A party chair there is that you need to listen to your state parties they understand what's happening in their communities and far too often we are only barking orders at them and this was a frustrating part my father is a state party chair in Texas mm-hmm. he I he understands this he it was frustrated with the DNC the DNC was he was t- explaining to people if you only invest in the Latino community even if it's just a little bit you could make progress in Texas Nobody listened to him. We didn't invest. What ended up happening? We lost by the same margin in Texas as we did in Ohio, which is incredible. Yeah. So one of so he, that's very frustrating for him. So one of the things that um, we've been doing is making sure that we're listening to them. We've done this around the country where um, state parties if, to help their their. Um, their down ballot races. We um, invested in the state party in Nebraska. We, as as elections are coming up, we help the state party. So in a lot of these special races, it has been about making sure going to the state party, meaning what asking them, what exactly do you need? And sometimes they said, we need 10 extra organizers. Can you help us fund 10 extra organizers to go in the African-American and Latino communities? That is what we did in Georgia. That's how we helped them. So we will be making a larger investment in these state parties. What we did this summer was also we did a grant program. So, we had state parties apply for grants in order to organize, and they came up with plans on how they wanted to move the ball forward in their states, and we awarded them grants. Mm-hmm. So, these are some of the things that we're trying to do and listen more to the state parties and trying to make actually s- serious investments in all 50 states.
1: Right. Is, uh, well, when you're ready with the announcement, okay, I have a platform for him. Uh, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi is uh, also a former state Democratic chair of California. Maybe we can get. Get, get get Nancy in as well and we'll have a little uh, former state chair celebration here yeah. um, so uh, do you in terms of you mentioned message I wanted to talk about, a little bit about that um, do you do the daily message from the DNC That
0: I work on that with a group of people yes
1: right well I've got to say it's good
0: Great, thank um,
1: you I I um, have always been uh, <laughs> No, I, I've always been a little leery About talking points Or, you know, like when I was at CNN, when I was in Crossfire uh, I, I, I made a point Like of not reading Anything officially, because I didn't want to be Seen as a tool of the Democratic Party, nor do I want to be seen That way on, on this program either uh, But um, Since you've with, under the new administration, I think the stuff coming out of the DNC every day is, is factual and, and, and very good. It sums it up, and, and here's exactly what's going on. If, if, whether it's healthcare, which we can talk about, or Trump's tour, foreign policy tour, everything, you know, you just kind of lay it out there. How can people uh, plug in that, that, that want to follow this? And, and it's important to have because we all get in conversation with friends, and it's good to know your facts. Especially today, with this administration. No, especially today, and be able to say, no, that's not true. Here's exactly what the truth. is. So can people sign up?
0: Yeah, so we we would love to make sure that we're getting information out to people as much as possible. I think that we need to do a better job as a party to make sure that it's getting out there for everyone to see, not just Bill, who, you know, you're out there and you're talking to folks and you have a show, but to everybody. I hate to put my colleague on the spot but I'm going to give away his email address. Huh? Uh, well, isn't there... you can um you can always email Acosta L at dnc.org. <laughs> Yo. <laughs>
2: oh,
1: oh. In case you
0: ever need help with anything, he is happy to assist. Um I'm not sure he's but... happy
1: to <laughs> everyone I can, everyone should send Everyone should send him, should send him nice
0: emails. Um that will be great. Um, but, but can
1: you go I mean dnc.org or d- If Democrat? you go to the
0: dnc.org um that is a great place to um, to go and get information get some of our press releases see what's happening another thing and as we're talking to healthcare, I wanted to
1: Democrats.org is that also yeah
0: Democrats.org another thing I wanted to mention was that um, is that as we're getting into the healthcare debate everyone says what can I do to help you know I've been marching I've been you know I've tried to do as much as possible and one of the things that we're trying to emphasize is that you need to call your member of Congress. And if your member of Congress is voting the right way, if your member or if, if your senator is voting the right way, then you need to make sure that you're calling these Republican senators like Dean Heller um, and, and Flake and others who are and Ted Cruz, others who are on the fence about this. And um, one of the websites that we have and you can make calls from your home is makecalls.democrats.org, makecalls.democrats.org. make calls.democrats.org. And if you go there. You can call these senators, direct. go directly to their offices, tell them exactly how you want them to vote, because this isn't going away. While they only delayed the vote, we know that they're going to bring this up. Trump has said, why don't we just pass a repeal without anything to replace it mm-hmm. with? Yeah. We know this yeah. is going to happen. So we need to make sure that we're not letting off the pressure and actually continue to contact these senators.
1: Makecalls.democrats.org. Correct. Uh, by the way, I, I just want to say, if your senator or if your member of Congress is voting the right way, it's also important to call them and say, hey, I'm with you. Thank you. Right. Keep it up. Stay. Stay there. Just to too often. We don't do that reinforcing. We just do the complaining. Right. Yes, but definitely. it's also important to call those people who are wavering yes. like a Dean Heller, like a Jeff Flake or whatever. Exactly. Uh, so you think this battle can still be won in the Senate?
0: I do. I think that what you saw this last week was that because of the American people, because we've been putting the pressure on, they just they had nowhere to go and they had to delay the vote. That doesn't necessarily mean that it is going away. I think that there is a good chance that they could pass a repeal. I think that what is happening is that as Democrats as sorry, as Republicans are going home for recess, While a lot of them are avoiding their constituents, they can't completely and they are getting these phone calls and they have to answer questions in these districts, which is making things very difficult. People have seen the benefits of the Affordable Care Act. They've benefited from it. And now they are wanting to strip that away. And that's a problem. And people realize this. Whether or not you voted for Donald Trump or you voted for Hillary Clinton you will be impacted by this. And I was home in Texas, a red state, this last weekend with my family, and one of the biggest complaints I heard was about the Affordable Care Act from my friends. And a lot of them are um, in between jobs, Mm -hmm. or they started their own business, and they voted for Donald Trump, and they are terrified that Donald Trump will strip away their um, health care. So this is a serious issue, and it's impacting people. And we need to make sure that we're also telling our stories and that, that these members know that.
1: Right. Um, so, if um, I have a question, ask you a question that I get a lot. Um, so, um, let me throw out a few names uh, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Tom Perez, uh, Bernie Sanders, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi. All right. Who's the leader of the Democratic Party today?
0: Well, first of all, those are a lot of good progressive leaders in our Democratic Party. But what I will say is that um, the, the people who have been marching on the streets and the people who have been part of the resistance and the people who have been making their voices heard are the leaders of the Democratic Party. And the reason that I say that is because that is the reason why we've been able to stop Trump. That is the reason why we've been able to advance progressive issues and is because of the American people not one person can do it by themselves. I guess we, I a should. lot of them a lot of them I mean a lot of them can try and we can definitely all try to make change and these are these are democratic leaders of our party but whenever we stopped the muslim ban whenever we were we're stopping the repeal of the affordable care act all of these issues it's because people stood up and decided to make their voices
1: heard. So are you saying there is no leader of the Democratic Party today? I am party saying today? that <laughs> there is our
0: we have a big party and everybody is welcome and what I'm saying is that it is the people who are making their voices heard who are actually leading the Democrats.
1: I, I, I want to apologize to my fellow Delawarean Joe Biden for not putting him on the list. Yeah. I, sorry, Joe. Uh, but sure. So you're Biden. saying the
3: slogan, I alone can fix it, isn't really uh, applicable here? It is not It applicable works for the here. Republicans. It, I, for, uh, if we are going to take
0: on all of this stuff that Donald Trump is doing and take, uh, and take on these Republicans, we can't do it alone. And not one person can do it. It needs to be everybody.
1: By the way, I... I I agree with you. I don't think there is a, a leader, A, one single leader of the Democratic Party today. I don't have a problem with that. I think it's great. And um, maybe a leader will emerge. Uh, it's nothing against these people, but um, I think the, 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 the grassroots, the people are running the party today. They're, they're providing the energy and the initiative. Look how the Women's March started, right? It didn't start with, any labor leader or any politician saying, we should have a Women's March in Washington the day after the inauguration. None of them would have dared do it because it was so bold and so crazy, in a sense, right? And I, it was brilliant. I, it worked. It was phenomenal.
0: It worked. And ever since then, we've and been leading marches many other marches, marches on, that exactly. were around the
1: world. Yeah, right? Exactly.
0: And, since, yeah, and you've so. seen it everywhere. And you've been able to, this is the one time, I, I mean, I don't, You. I mean, this is the one time I've seen in my lifetime that where people have actually organized Towards a cause and been so committed, you know. I've have friends who are not political at all, but they went to the Women's March, and this is: we need to take advantage of it, and we need to make sure that these folks know that if you do make your voice heard, it works. And but you also need to vote.
1: Right now, speaking of slogans, um, you, you, you see this, our slogan is the, uh, well,
3: I alone can fix it. I alone can fix it.
1: Yeah. Um, in in terms of back to uh, congressional races. The Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee came out with a new slogan. Um, have you seen the other guys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, isn't that kind of lack? I don't want to get you in a position, I'm sorry, of having to criticize another organization. But it, it just reminds me of the, uh, the mistake, I think, one of the big mistakes in 2016 was so much time was spent about how bad Donald Trump is and not about here's who we are and here's what we can do.
0: Well, I think we need to do a better – I think you're right. I think we need to do a better – we need to do better about telling our story and telling folks what we stand for. I think that this was what happened in the last election was that we said, you know, this guy is horrible. Vote for me. Yeah. This guy wants to ban Muslims. Vote for me. We didn't necessarily talk about what Democrats actually stand for. And so this is something that we have been talking about and why and we need to be doing a better job of this. And this is what we're trying to do during resistance summer too. Not only hold Trump accountable, but say Democrats want healthcare for all. Democrats want an economy that works for everyone. Democrats want to raise wages. Whenever we had President Obama in office, we were raising wages. The economy was on track. Um and so we want to make this is what happens when Democrats are leading. So um this is what we're working on and we do need to do a better job of that.
1: Yeah, it is true, I think, if you look at the – take those four races, right? If you looked at those other guys, right, they were uh, pretty pathetic, not people that we would want in there voting on the issues that we that we care about. But we've got to do better than that, and 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 our message has to be more than that.
3: Yeah, get the message out there. I think that, that that's the thing is the Democratic Party during that last election – spent so much time making Trump the enemy and Trump is so bad and Trump is so bad yeah, Trump is bad people realize that he's bad but at the same time Trump was giving ideas like granted a lot of them were pie in the sky and some of them aren't going to happen and a lot of them were BS but like he gave ideas so you got to sell yourself I think if you're going to if you're going to rebuild a little bit
4: I alone can fix it yeah see That's,
3: that's a slogan I alone can fix it
1: (laughs) I don't think that's going to work so uh, you know the other question I get and I'm sure you do too is uh, and you alluded to this a little bit earlier how can people plug in people really want to know what can I
3: do besides emailing Lucas
1: Yes.
0: Besides emailing Lucas, which everyone should do. <laughs> Everybody send should Everyone send Lucas a nice note today because he has his work cut out well, for him.
1: <laughs> what was that website or what was that email address again?
0: Um, I'll save him from this one. <laughs>
6: okay. um, we have, the, but tape. You should we go have to, the tape. You should go
0: to Democrats.org. But, I mean, I will say that this is a moment in our lifetimes where we have never seen a president like this. We have never seen a president attack the media. We have never seen a president really do the the all of you know harm the american people the way that this president is harming them and i think that a lot of people say well you know what i can't do anything about this this is in washington my voice doesn't make a difference but you can and whether it is making phone calls and make calls.democrats.org or going to your local party or if you or if you just want to help your candidate your local candidate go and make calls for them go knock on doors for them Go to whenever you go to a, a women your next women's march or your next march in your community. Make sure you're not only speaking up, but that you're doing something in order to 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 tell your neighbors why this these issues are so important. And if we are all doing that, we will be successful in 2017. We have major races in 2017 in New Jersey and Virginia, mm-hmm. um, and in 2018 as well. And that is just one step to making change in these communities.
1: Yeah, and there are we should mention. Um, Great organizations which are helping direct or funnel all of this energy. Mm MoveOn.org, Our Revolution, Emily's List, uh, ECLU, the Town Hall Project. I don't know. I don't want to avoid any, but there's great energy out there, right? There is great energy out there. And
0: these organizations have been amazing for the progressive
1: movement. Progressive Change Campaign Committee.
0: They are all, um, and or get involved with them. All of them are great organizations, great progressive organizations that are um, making sure that we are leading with our values and that we are electing progressive Democrats.
1: All right. So Democrats don't just send. Progressives don't just sit on your ass. Get involved. Uh, Make calls. Org or Democrats. Org uh, through the DNC. So she. Thank you for uh, all, thank all that you. you're doing. All right. Thanks for coming in. Uh, we're going to be doing a broadcast together on the 19th of July with yes. uh, Keith Ellison, yes. Vice Chair, and uh, Congresswoman Sherry Bustos, yes. right, from Illinois. Yes, yeah, she's great. Friend. We love having her in here. Good to see you. Good to see All you, right. too. Thanks. Come back Thank again so soon. Much. Come back and talk more about that Voting Rights Commission. Now, let's call it Voter Fraud Commission, because it is a fraudulent commission. Ezra Rosenberg joining us from the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under the Law.
5: It's about as welcoming as a breeze off an outhouse.
1: Follow us on
2: Twitter, at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: On a Thursday, July 6th, hello, hello, and welcome back to the uh, Bill Press Show, coming to you live, coast to coast, from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and brought to you today by the American Federation of Government Employees. Those uh, good men and women who keep our federal agencies running day in and day out, proud to get up and work for America every day under the leadership of President J. David Cox. You can check out their good work at AFGE. Dot org. We thank them for uh, all the good work they do and particularly for their support of the program. The 44, maybe 46 states, whatever, so far have said in response to the Trump administration's request for through its voting rights or voting fraud commission uh, for information on um, voter identification roles in their states, that they are not going to comply, at least not in full. Ezra Rosenberg is the co-director of the Voting Rights Project for the Lawyers' Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. Uh, Joins us in studio to talk about this. Hi, Ezra. It's good to see you.
7: Hi, Bill. Nice to see you.
1: Thank you for coming in. Uh, Just before we went on air, you were telling me, because I had not heard about the Lawyers' Committee for Civil Rights Under Law before. How did you get started?
7: Uh, it has a, really a, a, a legendary history. Uh, back in 1963, Bobby Kennedy a- suggested to his brother John, who was president at the time, that it's time for the private bar to start getting involved in civil rights and pro bono work. So they called in 250 members, leading members of the private bar, to the East Room of the White House, and they sat them down and said, you all better start doing some pro bono work. And that's what started the uh, Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights. It's been around for 54 years now. Uh, we have a full time staff. We are involved in voting rights and education and housing and criminal justice and uh, stopping hate crimes. Uh, virtually any major civil rights case has the Lawyers Committee's fingerprints on
1: it. So these are lawyers who are in private practice, right? Well, the staff is a
7: full time staff, but, but, yeah. but
1: we use the private right. bar to help us litigate
7: uh, our cases uh, and, and, and to do other work, such as we we have the largest election protection. Hotline. We had ob- about 150,000 calls in 2016 on our hotline, which is 866 our vote, which is still in operation every day. And we urge people to call it if they have um, concerns about voter suppression, concerns about the Kobach Commission, which we'll talk about.
1: Right. Um, uh, but this is so. These these are attorneys. Just because people sometimes have a very negative impression of attorneys, right, that all they're interested in is making more and more money. But these are attorneys who are volunteering their time around the country for good causes pro bono. Absolutely. Large firms. I
7: started, I was with a large firm called Deckert for decades. And I started working on the Texas photo ID case back in 2012 when I was in private practice for the Lawyers Committee and for the Brennan Center. And after I left Deckert and retired, I started a new chapter of my life, uh, as a full-time employee of the Lawyers Committee,
1: so uh, you've been involved in this a long time, um, and um, there's been talk about voter fraud in this country for a long time. In, in terms of the big picture, before we get to the, again to the Kovac Commission, how how serious a problem is voter fraud in the United States?
7: If, if by voter fraud is meant people pretending they're someone other than themselves right. and voting, it's not a problem at all. It is non-existent. Study after... Non-existent. Non-existent in any kind of widespread. Sure, you can find one or two cases. Good example. I litigated the Texas photo ID case. Yes. In the 10 years leading up to the passage by the Texas legislature of the most restrictive photo ID law in the country, out of 20 million votes cast in Texas, there were two instances of the sort of in-person fraud that a photo ID law could stop. And these two instances were by the way, they were caught. Mm-hmm. One was yeah. a guy who voted on behalf of his father who just died, they had the same name and the other was this genius apparently who voted, went back to the same polling station later in the afternoon, voted again on behalf of his brother who was incarcerated at the time. That's it. Two out of 20 million votes cast and the equation that's used by people who are using fraud, as a means to enact suppressive laws such as strict photo ID laws, is that they're willing to stop maybe two out of 20 million instances in exchange for suppressing tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of votes, primarily minority voters.
1: And disenfranchising them. And
7: disenfranchising them.
1: That's correct. And that's surprising. I I saw that Alison Grimes yesterday, who's the Secretary of State for Kentucky, mentioned that, that, and and we saw this... um, uh, a few years ago, I, I don't know how many states uh, voter suppressive laws for suppression laws in, uh, introduced through a lot of them through um, the uh, uh, American legal Alec Alec yeah. American legal uh,
7: Alec is uh, reputed to have been behind the drafting of some of these laws. Right, right. Uh, but
1: uh, so anyhow, just to f- finish that, Alison Grimes just said I, I heard her say yesterday that there are some eighty-nine laws circulating today in some 30 states uh, along the same lines.
7: And, and, and the sad part of that is these laws are going to be able to go into effect immediately if they're passed and signed by their governors. But that wasn't a situation four years ago when we had Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act in mm, effect. Mm. And the United States Supreme Court gutted that law because in right. the states that had a proven record of discrimination, they could not enact laws like that and implement them without getting approval of either the attorney general or a, a three judge court in, in the district of columbia.
1: Right. So that break that that, that existed um, like putting on the brakes in those particular states is gone right now. So
7: not only are the brakes gone, we don't even know if the accident is happening all the <laughs> time because yeah. in the yeah. past the states and the counties and the cities could not make any change that changed voting requirements in these covered jurisdictions without getting approval. So for example, They could not consolidate voting districts, which they're doing. And you don't always find out about that in some small areas Mm -hmm. unless you have feet on the ground or someone calls you, you calls our hotline, for example. So it's a a tough situation since the Shelby decision by the Supreme
1: Court. I think the toughest one for a lot of people to uh, accept is uh, the voter ID. I mean, you hear the argument, and it sounds so simple. Uh, well, look, everybody's got his driver's license. I mean, you know, you can't get in a federal building here unless you show a photo ID, so why shouldn't you have to show a photo ID to vote?
7: Right, and and I, I have that same discussion with my friends, and then after I tell them this, that first of all, it's not just any ID, which is the sort of thing you could use to get into a courthouse. It's, for example, in Texas. Before the Texas law was enacted, they had an ID law, you had to show either a voter registration card, which everyone had because it was sent to them by the election officials, or a bank statement, a driver's license, utility bill, government checks, a whole bunch of things that are pretty pretty reliable. Despite having no evidence of fraud, the Texas legislature passed a law that limited to just a Texas driver's license, not any driver's license, a passport, a military ID, naturalization card, or, it being Texas, a license to carry. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
7: And they also said, we're going to give everyone a free photographic election identification card. But in order to get that, you had to go to your motor vehicle station. And believe it or not, one third of the counties in Texas do not have a motor vehicle facility. And Texas is a pretty big state. (laughs) And people who are poor, who are working for hourly wages, can't take off from work, have family responsibilities, don't have cars because they don't have a driver's license, They'd have to travel maybe an hour, an hour and a half, taking off from work to get these things. You know, it's different for people. I have sure it's easy for me. It's yeah. not easy for people who are poor and they are disproportionately minority citizens. And that's the evil of these laws.
1: Right. So I mean, throughout all of these laws, there is, if not uh, a direct racist <laughs> intent, there's certainly a r- r- racial. Um, implication or factor well, well, there in, are two, in all of them? Sure,
7: right? and there are In two, terms of
1: the people impacted.
7: A, in terms of impact, absolutely. A, and in at least two jurisdictions now, it's been proven that they were also enacted with discriminatory intent. In North, North Carolina North is one, one. And Texas, uh, Judge Ramos in the, in the uh, Southern District of Texas, uh, just about uh, two months ago, issued the, her decision for the second time finding that Texas's law was enacted with discriminatory intent, and we're in the process now of arguing over what the appropriate remedy should be.
1: See, I've always, cons- I've always been uh, sort of a little surprised at all this discussion about voting rights. It seems to me that what everybody ought to be working on is making it easier for people to vote And exercise, because to vote, so many, few people do, such a small percentage do vote in this country. Making it, finding ways, obviously, honestly, right, but easier to vote rather than making it more difficult. You know, Bill... it's, There's nothing more for me to say other than that. Don't we have that, it upside down? I mean, that's,
7: yeah. that's what we should be doing. We should be making it easier for people to vote. We should be doing everything to make it easier
1: I for mean, people like to vote. I mean, like same-day voter registration, for Absolutely. Example. Early voting. Absolutely. That so many people take advantage of.
7: Absolutely. And particularly when you realize there is no fraud. It's yeah. a big—it's it's, it's a, it's a boogeyman that they've created in order to scare people. Into indicating on polls that, yes, we believe there's voter fraud. And then it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, look, the voters think there's fraud. The reason they think there's fraud is because you've told them there's fraud when there is no fraud.
1: Well, then how can you say that sitting here, Mr. Rosenberg, when we know that 3 to 5 million people voted illegally last year for Hillary Clinton? Yeah, and the only reason we know that is because—
7: President Trump and people like Chris Kobach say it's so. (laughs) It it just, that is completely untrue. What I think they're basing that statement on is simply that there are people in every state who are in voting rolls who no longer live in that state. Why? Because I've moved several times in my life. I assume others in this room have moved several times in their life, and I assume your listeners have moved. Guilty. And I bet you not a single person has ever, the day they moved, said, oh, by the way, let me call up the election officials yeah. and tell them I'm I've leaving moved. to take. And that's why they're sure. they're on, But they're not voting illegally. They just happen to be left on the rolls.
3: Well, that was one of the things. Remember, whenever this first sort of coming out, there were so, like, Ivanka Trump, Steve Bannon. <laughs> exactly. All of these Trumpers were registered in more than one state.
7: Everybody, almost everybody this in this country who has moved from one place to another is double registered. Yeah. And there's nothing illegal about it. Sure, the rolls can be cleaned up, and the National Voter Registration Act has a specific procedure for cleaning up rolls, mm-hmm. and some states do comply with it. Some states do a better job than other states do.
1: Some but, some do it quicker than others, exactly, for example. Exactly, but it has yeah. nothing
7: to do with illegal voting or fraud, and that's the fraud. I mean, And that is what apparently was the uh, germ for this, uh, this so-called Election Integrity Commission, which as you indicated, is a a voter fraud committee. And as President Trump on June 30th in one of his tweets said, it's a voter fraud committee. It has nothing to do with election integrity. It has to do with this fake story of there being widespread fraud in order to create laws that will have a suppressive effect, particularly on the votes of minority citizens.
1: But in his uh, letter, which I want to ask you about, uh, to the states, that has generated so much controversy and one of the, reason, and the reason we wanted to come in today. Um, Secretary of State Chris Kovac said, he cites, or maybe it was in an interview I saw on CNN uh, with Anderson Cooper, he cites a Pew study about voter fraud. Yeah, I, that,
7: that, that Pew study, I think, has been, the, the way Kovac is using it has been repudiated by the people who wrote the study. Uh, Chris Kovac has a track record uh, of saying things to uh, further his causes, which courts have seriously questioned, and in fact, most recently have sanctioned him for, uh, mm. out in out in Kansas, uh, putting Chris Kobach uh, in charge of this commission. And let there be no mistake about it, even though he's the vice chair, yeah. he is in charge of this yeah, commission. Pence is
1: just the uh, figurehead. At the uh,
7: it, it's it's like it's not just putting the fox in charge of guarding the chicken coop. It's putting the fox in charge of creating the chicken coop. And that's basically what the intent of this commission is, to, to come out with a finding that there's widespread fraud and to lead to the enactment of suppressive voting laws at the
1: federal, at the at federal, the federal level. level. All right. So the information that he's requested from the states, as we've seen as I, just off the top of my head, as I recall, right, is he wants uh, he's asked the states to provide for every single person on the voter rolls. Right. Name, address, date of birth, um, uh, political party they Belong to uh, whether they ever lived in another state, whether they lived in another country, the election of uh, the elections, all the elections that they have or have not voted on since I think 2006,
7: right. M- military history, military and history, and last four right.
1: digits of social security numbers. How much of that is public? How much of all of that is public uh, th- information?
7: There's virtually no state that allows that last bit, uh, particularly the last four digits of, of social security numbers. Uh, there are a few states that don't allow uh, a good part of this information, and, and it is unprecedented for a federal agency to have asked for all of this information w- all at once uh, for ends that make absolutely no sense unless one wants to create a fake story to support the suppression of votes.
1: Yeah. I mean, what could they possibly do with all of that millions and millions and millions one can
7: only guess he didn't say why he has in the past relied on systems one is called cross check and the other is called the save act which are uh, databases where you compare voter lists one to another to try to prove his Mm. point that there are people who shouldn't be voting on voter lists those systems have been found to be inaccurate. Uh, Florida was uh, uh, using them, and I think in 2012, discarded them as being inaccurate. Other states have, have done the same thing. But Chris Kobach keeps pressing them.
1: Well, one of the, re- one of the reasons that it wouldn't work is because earlier, but you stated earlier, because some names are going to come up as duplicates when, in fact, they're only voting in one state. W- w- all, right. of, virtually all of them yeah. will be that situation.
7: Yeah. Yeah. In, in addition, uh, it is historically true that names are inaccurately placed on, on voter rolls, on driver's license rolls, social security numbers are often wrong, uh, and particularly with minority cis- uh, citizens who may have non-traditional names in the eyes of, of, of white people, they're very often uh, mm-hmm. mistakes in their names. Uh, so you don't know if you're going to have a fake positive or fake negative. These databases are unreliable.
1: All right. Now, what, what is uh, the Voting Rights Project or the Lawyers Committee doing about this? What can you do about it, right? I mean, it was not created by an act of Congress.
7: No, no. This, this is an is executive a, order. Uh, it's, a, it's a presidential commission. There have been presidential commissions in the past, but the presidential commissions in the past followed the law. There is a law called the Federal Advisory Committee Act, FACA, uh, which says that the committee must be established uh, with, uh, by, uh, with a um, ba- fair and balanced point of views. Uh, you don't have that here. You have uh, uh, Kobach, you have uh, Hans von Spakovsky, uh, you have the Secretary of State of Ohio, all of whom have these proven track records of, of being very supportive of measures that are suppressive in nature. Um, so that's that's obviously one problem. You have kind of a putting the rabbit in the hat in terms of the questions, They, they the leading questions, for example, the questions that they – Sent yeah, to the sent states, to the state. basically. You know, w- w- when did what have you been doing about fraud in your state? Essentially, uh, the presumption that there is fraud going right. on. Um, so what so, we're what we're doing are, are several things. Uh, number one, we have been urging the states not to cooperate with this illegitimate committee.
1: And you've been having some success in that area.
7: Well, I'm not sure if it's because of us. I, I, other civil rights groups have been doing it, and and I think that the states have. Uh, understood on their, their own. I mean, the, the response to Mr. Kobach's unprecedented request was bipartisan. You had Mississippi basically telling Kobach he could jump into the jump Gulf in the of Gulf Mexico. Mexico. I loved it. Yeah. And that's a blue state, I mean, a red state, and um, they were very strong on this. Uh, you have Indiana, who said that, that's Penn State, who said they're not going to fully comply. <laughs> you have Kansas, which is Kobach State, who said they can't comply to give Social Security numbers because that's, that's uh, barred by their law. Uh, so uh, that, that one thing is that we and others have been reaching out to the state saying, not just on this, but just don't cooperate. This is an illegitimate committee. Do not give it legitimacy. That's number one. Number two, uh, this past week, we filed an action. Now, the action isn't directly against the committee. The action is a, a, an administrative action under the Hatch Act. Uh, it's a complaint that was filed under against Mr. Kobach. And we've, we've, we've asked the um, uh, Office of Special Counsel and the Department of Justice, which is charged with enforcing the Hatch Act, to investigate whether Mr. Kobach, who announced his candidacy for governor, is abusing his position as a special government employee as vice chair of this uh, Election Integrity Commission uh, to further his political ends. Oh yeah, and, oh yeah. And because if you look, if you look at his website, if you look at his social media, his Twitter accounts, his Facebook, you'll see that he is touting his work, interviews, etc., uh, concerning his work on the commission. And then ah. right next to it is a button: contribute. Ah. And so.
1: Was, uh, I didn't realize he was running for governor. Of <laughs> yes, Kansas. he's
7: running for governor of Kansas. Oh, yeah. That explains so, it all. So,
1: so um, uh, yeah.
7: and, and the point here is that this underscores the fact that this is a commission that is being used for partisan purposes. Yeah, uh, sure. And ultimately, not only that, but furthering those partisan purposes with suppressive acts to, that will really impact disproportionately on minority voters and on all voters because yeah. everyone has a stake, as you said. To vote, not to be stopped from voting.
1: Uh, I mean, it's being used by part for partisan by for partisan purposes by Donald Trump and by Kovac. That, that, right? that, yes. By well, both. Right? Well,
7: it, it certainly it, it certainly seems that way. We, uh, you know, the yeah. Lawyers Committee is a nonpartisan organization. Uh, we we do not take a position in elections. We, however, protect the civil rights of people, particularly in the area of voting.
1: And. Uh, uh, I wanted to mention also when you talk about the states, so I thought it was interesting here um, in our area that both the Democratic governor of Virginia and the Republican governor of Maryland had said they're not going to comply.
7: That, that's correct, and I, I read—I didn't read the um, Maryland statement, I did read Governor McAuliffe's statement, which just was excellent. And he basically said this is an illegitimate commission.
1: Right. Um, what would uh, whatever the recommendations they come up with would then? It wouldn't have any force of law, right? But it would muddy the waters for
7: sure. Yes, and that's why it's important to undercut the legitimacy. And would be
1: used by some people in Congress to try to and around the states, in the states too.
7: And and by the way, to put this into perspective, there have been commissions in the past. And I've not always agreed with what the commissions have done, but at least they were one committee, one commission on voting was um, chaired by... The former campaign manager of, uh, I think it was uh, Romney, and the former campaign manager of, uh, who I forget which Democratic uh, uh, candidate. Another was uh, co-chaired by Jim Baker and Jimmy Carter. I mean, those are mm. committees that mm. were fair and balanced. Again, don't necessarily agree with what they did, but at least they had they were following the law.
1: I mean, imagine. So the contrast between Jimmy Carter and James Baker, right, yeah. And Chris Kovac and Mike Pence, right? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> right. And then if you <laughs> yeah.
7: add Hans Van Spakovsky into the mix, <laughs> who, who is, is this, this guy? I don't he heard. he uh, has a, a proven record. Of, uh, he's a, uh, a a intellectual leader of of uh, the uh, oh. uh, uh, in favor of voter ID laws, strict voter ID laws, which have suppressive effects.
1: Right? Isn't the Voting Rights Act considered kind of the crown jewel of the civil rights movement?
7: It is one of the most successful pieces of legislation that Congress has ever enacted. And the Supreme Court recognized that time and time again. And for them to gut Section 5, which was really the heart and soul of this act, they gutted it in 2013. In 2009, I'm sorry, 2006, I want to make sure I'm accurate, Congress voted, the Senate voted 99 to 0. To reenact Section Five of the of that mm. of the Voting mm. Rights Act, yet the Supreme Court in 2013 said so much time has changed that we, we're going to overrule what Congress did on a 99 to zero vote and and just gut the act. It is I, I don't know if there's another example of that sort of uh, decision in in the history of of this.
1: Well, I might call it judicial activism, but of course, conservative courts never do that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, 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 Can we remember Bush v. Gore as well? (laughs) Right. Uh, Ezra, thank you for all the good work that you're doing, you and the members of the committee. Thanks for coming in. It's a pleasure being here, Bill. Thank you very much.
5: Have a great day, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. This is The Bill Press Show.